there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Why don't you follow me and I'll help you find a place to take that load off. The Chili Crew is just about to start. If you've been here before, well, welcome back. But if this is your first time, let me fill you in on how things work around here. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that everyone that walks through those doors grows a little closer to Jesus every day. And just let me say, you came at a great time, too. We're taking a weekly walk through the Bible, one story at a time, from Genesis to Revelation. And after this is all over, if you like what you heard, on the way out, there's a button called subscribe. It's red and it's got a little bell next to it. Oh, and tell your friends. Oh, 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 here we go. Here's a nice seat right up front for you. Now you sit down and get comfortable. I'd like to sit here and talk to you and get to know you better, but that was the dough. I got to go. Those youngsters better get the lead out. This crowd's ready to go. I'll be right over there. Didn't realize the restaurant would be this busy today. I'm coming, I'm coming. Welcome to the kitchen. Order up. Today, guys, we have uh, Justin, myself, Tom, uh, Sully, and Susanna here. We're just going to... Uh, start right here, chapter 44, verse 1. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry, and put, and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain, and he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. Time out. Divination. Care to elaborate on the cup used for divination? Well, number one, it is a silver cup. In almost every culture, a silver cup for a ruler or a king was considered, if I can say, magical in, in a way. They, they actually did believe that because the silver was supposed to protect them from poisons. And I mean, you guys can kind of read this kind of stuff up. But in, mind you, there is something to that because silver actually does kill viruses and bacteria and, and whatnot. So if he had a silver cup, uh, it would have been a, a very special cup. It would have been a unique cup because if you had a pure silver cup, that's not something that you can just go down to the, you know, the, the local five and dime if they existed back then and pick one up. This would have been a very unique gifted cup to Joseph. But as far as divination is concerned, I think, and, and, and I actually, I'm glad you stopped here, Tom, because I was baffled with this. Because I said, what? Divination? That's like that's like spiritualistic stuff. Wait, hold on. And I started digging into it. There's a lot of actual other uh, translations and stuff like that that go into this. And they don't use the word divination. It's actually, they'll say stuff like telling the future or predicting the future. Now, what was Joseph known for in Egypt? Yep, foretelling. For foretelling yeah. the future. He was I a mean, meteorologist and agriculturalist <laughs> so anyway I, i'm just saying he i don't think he actually did like divination type of things i think it was this was his special cup and i think it was believed about him that this was like his his thing because he was known for interpreting dreams and and other things right 
Right. That's what I've heard too, that like in the the culture that cup would, you know, could would have been used, like whether they would have put, you know, a object in there with a fluid or whatever to then see the future. But so but it had this um very honoring, you know, connotation, like only, you know, the king or only the pharaoh or only the highest servants, you know, had this silver the silver cup. So yeah, I think it was more that he just since he was known for the dream state he was given that cup, not that he actually used it in the pagan ways, obviously. <laughs> All right, now this next verse here, um, verse 6. I'm glad that uh, Moses or whoever wrote this, um, wrote this out caught on to criticism because he actually summarized. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to him, but they said to him, so... Every instance up till now, when we're reading through this, they repeat <laughs> verbatim every time something is said to somebody and how it was said. <laughs> so this time they summarized it. Great job, editors. <laughs> Thank you, Moses, for summing this one up. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver which we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my lord's slaves. At this moment, they still do not know it's Joseph. I, I have a feeling that Joseph is setting up the dominoes here to get ready to knock him over. Very well, he said. Then let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave, and the rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Dun, dun, dun. At this, they all tore their clothes then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they okay, threw themselves... Okay, before we go on, I want to talk about the cup a little bit. All right, go ahead. Are you guys familiar with the Passover Seder and the four cups? Very little. I have heard of it, but very, very little. It, it, there's this whole kind of, as you go through the Passover dinner, you, you have these different things that tell the Passover story. And so throughout that story, you, there's four cups of wine, the cup of sanctification, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, and like the cup of praise. And so throughout that like retelling of the story, there's the different cup and there's wine in it and you take a drink of the wine they, it paints the story both of like God's wrath and judgments, but also his redemption and his, you know, his forgiveness. It's kind of a mystery, like where this tradition of the cups comes from, but it's most widely believed that it actually comes from this story with this cup, how, you know, he gave him this silver cup and it was because of the, the wrath and judgment of the cup that brought the brothers back to Joseph so that he could receive their forgiveness and redemption, right? So this one cup is representing those four. Is that what, is right. that what you're saying? And, yeah. And we see throughout the New Testament, I mean, that cup 
there, you know, it's mentioned, like we see Jesus, we see him, you know, Paul talks about like when we, when we partake of the cup of praise, you know, and, you know, have our hearts be this way, or like when Jesus, he talks about this cup and he's, he's at, you know, they're, Right. There was even there was even a time when one of the disciples was was trying to tell Jesus, hey, listen, no, I can I can take it. I can do it. And he Jesus actually asked him and said, listen, do you understand the cup of the wrath of God that I am going to take? Right. You know, and, and yeah. Oh, that's good. right. And then he there's the cup where he says this cup is, you know, the covenant of my blood that's going to be poured out. And then later he says this cup, I'm not going to be drinking with you until I return in the kingdom. So and and I like, drink the new wine, right? Yeah. Right. And that's going to be that cup, you know, which is the cup of, of praise. And, you know, so at the end when everyone comes back and you're reunited. So we like kind of see all of that with that cup in this story, which is really cool. That, that is that is spectacular. I also want to point out here the tearing of clothes. So as soon as judgment was given, all the brothers tore their clothes. You know, um, so far, Reuben tore his clothes when uh, Joseph was taken from the, the pit. And Jacob tore his clothes and wore sackcloth when he thought J- Joseph was died had died. And now all of the brothers tore their clothes, which is a symbol of grief and mourning. And, you know, these guys are, are now losing Benjamin, the one that they told their dad they would take care of. Right. And they can't go back without him. <laughs> you know, they just can't. Okay, now I know we haven't quite gotten there yet, but why do you think And I know we're going to dive into this in just a minute, so you might want to, we might want to hold off on it, but why do you think that they had this intense of a reaction? Is it just self-preservation? Is it actually caring about their father? Is it the the destruction that they've obviously noticed that they've caused in their own family? What do you guys think is the reason they had such an intense reaction to this 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 accusation? This this they know what's coming. I believe that it is their dad, only because it took them you know two years for them to convince their dad to allow Benjamin to go on this trip and they had to beg barter and you know beg butter and steal with their dad just to say hey trust us trust us trust that we will do the right thing trust that we will protect benjamin we'll bring him back have no worries put your faith in us and now the one thing that would stop them from going home with their heads held high has happened so now their their integrity is on the line here. How are they going to face their dad if they go home without Benjamin? Right. So they show back up at Joseph's place. Verse 14, Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord, Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? So hold on. He's talking about divination again. Do you think he's just playing off of the Egyptian uh, superstitions that I'm sure are, are very well known? 
Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I do. Yeah. I think that he's, you know, kind of relying on the fact that he's very much clothed in a pagan garb, you know, like he's dressed like an Egyptian and, um, so he is super playing the part here. Right. Super, super. Okay. Okay. Right. He, uh, he, he kind of baited them like, yo, Hey, this guy knows about us and is playing the divination card so that that would this, you know, dissuade their, uh, or, uh, defer their, their beliefs that, Oh, this, you know, this guy knows us. Now it's divination. You know, he knows us through divination. I, he knows he took the cup through divination. He's not saying that I did that. He's saying, oh, yes, uh, the power that the gods here have given me has shown me that you took this cup. And you, there's nothing you, you guys are doing that I don't know about. Okay, so I guess, and I'm sorry to stop this, but do you think he's just doing this just to get like a rise out of them, just to get that? you need to understand what situation you're in right now. I think that the story is a huge illustration of Jesus. And I feel like this points out so much. Like when we, when we come to him, you know, he's saying there is nothing that you can hide from me. I know every work and deed you've ever done. And so I feel like if you read this story and instead of Joseph, you know, you put Jesus's name, like it perfectly kind of plays out. Like, Judah, you know, he's going to have to humble himself and come to Jesus. And, you know, he, he's kind of confessing to his sins or the sins he's done. And, and he's like, I know everything you've ever done. <laughs> okay, keep, keep going, Tom. This, I don't know. I'm, this is getting good. I'm getting excited. Judah replied, what can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves. We ourselves and the one who is found to have the cup. Right here, I think that Joseph chose Benjamin because he wanted to see where his brother's hearts lie. Compared to the what happened before. Right. Because he is now the younger brother. That's where he was at at that point. And he wanted to see how they would react. See, when it was Simeon that got held, they left. Now Benjamin's being held, and they're saying, (laughs) we're staying here. Whatever you do to us here is far better than what's going to happen when we go home. It's better for our dad to think that we've all died than for us to come back without Benjamin. But Joseph said, far be it for me to do such a thing. Only the man who is found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. Then Judah went up to him and said, Pardon your servant, my lord. Let me speak a word with my lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or brother? And we answered, We have an aged father, and there is a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead, and he is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me so I can see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. But you told your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. Then our father said, Go back and buy a little more food. But we said, We cannot go down there only if our youngest brother is with us. Can we go? 
We cannot see the man's face unless he's with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said he has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now if the boy is not with us when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all of my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come on my father. Who is the one that offers himself up? Because that whole st- that whole monologue was who? That was Judah. Question. I know we brought this up several times. What lineage is Judah? Oh, he is the great, 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 great granddaddy of Jesus. Yes, he is. And I was kind of excited about that because it. I, I see this and I go, because I, I think it was great that Susanna brought this up because what we find here is that once again, that parallel of Christ stepping up and giving of himself. And Judah does exactly that. It's Judah that's the one, which, by the way, earlier on, what happened to Judah? What happened to Judah just like, what, two chapters before with his daughter-in-law, quite frankly? He did something that, well, we'll just, we'll just say was, was very questionable. Even for those days, very, very questionable. But yet... Here's Judah, who is who has apparently, and we just talked about this on the live cast earlier, which was this humbling experience that happened to him, and that sometimes happens to us. The, this humbling experience that happens to us that that gets us out of that, the, the not even that, just those moments in our life that we get stuck and we we're, we're looking around going, "What am I doing?" And he had this moment. With, with Tamar, and if you guys want to know more about the, the details of that, if you haven't heard it yet, go back about two or three episodes, and it's about Tamar and Judah. That moment was the moment that he realized something is wrong in my life. And so here, I almost feel like Judah is making, try, maybe I should say trying to make up for everything that he had done in the past because of all this. Like, I think that was his defining moment, because it, it seems like the other brothers are just kind of sitting there going like, Oh no, not again, not again. What's going on? Like they're just kind of sitting there or standing there just in complete disarray and turmoil over there, over what's happening. I agree. I mean, just like a desperation, like, Hey, there, there is no plan B. This is the only way this is going to, this can play out. <laughs> Keep me here. <laughs> like this is uh, you know, like the, you, the, you the, did this before, oh, oh, Pharaoh's assistant. Do it again. Like take me instead this time. This was his Jerry Maguire, show me the money, you know, speech. Like <laughs> getting right up there in the the, the climactic monologue of Judah. And man, I, 
let's just keep going. Let's just keep going into 45 here because he just bled his heart to Joseph and showed, you know, this is who I am. This is what we're going to do. I'm not going to take any other answer. And uh, chapter 45, verse 1, Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his, all of his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard all about it. Okay, hold on. So it was this moment, this was the moment that broke Joseph's heart because he saw Judah and the rest, apparently the rest of his brothers were in turmoil as well. They were ripping their clothes and just freaking out over their little brother. And especially because Judah stood up and did this and said all this, now Joseph, his heart is broken. And it, and it sounds here like, Joseph is ugly crying, like not like tears running down his face. He is like, oh, everybody get out of here. I don't, want to, don't look at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? Brothers, brothers were not able to answer them because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all that you have, I will provide for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Early, early, a little bit early on in, in verse 5, it says, it talks about how Joseph was saying, hey, listen, listen. God meant for, or you meant for this for ill, but God meant for this to be something wonderful, right? That, I think, is the sign of someone who is very well spiritually connected to the Lord because they look for, and we've mentioned this many times in our podcast, we called them the golden threads. He was looking through for these golden threads, and I think that's where his relationship with God led to the point where he realized, listen, what my brothers did to me was the best thing they could have ever, ever done. Maybe for character development, whatever they, but most importantly, because of what you've done, God has turned this into something beautiful. I can now save the family. I have this authority now. I think that's wonderful, and that's a lesson I think all of us need to take, that when we we know when we're reaching that moment where we're getting closer to God because then we start recognizing what God is doing in our lives. 
You have verse uh, 12 here. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father all about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. <laughs> Tell daddy I'm vice pharaoh. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping, and he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all of his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this, take some carts from Egypt for your children and, our, and your wives, and go get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings, because the best of all Egypt will be yours. Why did Pharaoh emphasized so much and was so excited. And it wasn't even Pharaoh. It actually says Pharaoh's house. So like everybody was excited for Joseph during this situation. Why do you believe that everyone was so excited about meeting basically the, 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 the man that saved all of Egypt and they, they, they know that his family's here now. Why was it? Why were they so excited? Well, I think it's a, a relative thing because if Joseph is this blessed so too must his father and his brothers. They must all be blessed by the same God that has now saved Egypt. So you're thinking that they're going to have more Josephs on their hands. Right. And and not only that, um, he knows now where Joseph came from. And there is still that elitist part of Pharaoh that's saying, no, don't bring your stuff. Just show up and we'll make sure that you have the best of everything that Egypt has to offer. <laughs> that's funny the best that egypt has to offer yep. and he, here's a, here's another parallel jesus do you remember when jesus was a child and he left and he had to go to to egypt and stay in egypt for a while because egypt protected him yeah. from what was going to happen from from literal literal you know i'm quite certain many of you picked up that this episode doesn't seem quite over yet and you'd be absolutely correct because of broadcast limitations, we got to keep this under 28 minutes. You see, we'll finish Genesis chapter 44 and 45 next time. And as always, you can find the Chili Crew on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. By the way, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, of course, you can find the Chili Crew on Facebook Live. Also, YouTube Live. So join in the conversation then. If you like what you heard and you'd like to help us keep doing what we're doing, there are many ways that you can support us. First of all, the best way you can support the Chili Crew is by keeping us in your prayers. Also, if you like us that much, hit that like button and share us. And if you go to biblicalchili.com, you can also find a donate button there. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you. <laughs>